Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was April 6, 1846. Dred and Harriet Scott, an enslaved husband and wife in St. Louis, Missouri, each filed a petition to get their freedom from slavery. At the time, pro-slavery and anti-slavery factions were at odds with each other, and the federal government was forced to draw a line through the nation that separated free areas and slave areas. Missouri was a slave state, but it did have laws that if an enslaved person went to a free state or became free, then that person was forever considered free. So there were paths to freedom for people who were enslaved, even though they were considered the property of their owners. A Missouri statute allowed a person who was wrongfully enslaved to sue for their freedom. Dredd and Harriet had spent a considerable amount of time in free territories, and on this basis, they argued that they were being held as slaves wrongfully. I recognize the irony as if a person could be rightfully enslaved. Either way, the Scots sued for their freedom, and though their suit was unsuccessful, Dred Scott's appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court became a landmark case and brought the nation closer to civil war. Dred Scott was born in Virginia around 1799. The history of Scott's ownership from the time of his birth is fuzzy, but it is clear that eventually, Peter Blow and Elizabeth Taylor Blow were Dred's owners. By 1830, the Blow family and their six slaves had moved from Virginia to Alabama to St. Louis in Missouri when they ran a boarding house called the Jefferson Hotel. Dred went with the family to St. Louis, but soon after they moved, Elizabeth and Peter Blow died. Again, the details are unclear, but Dred was sold to Dr. John Emerson, an assistant surgeon in the U.S. Army. As Emerson traveled to various military posts, he took Dredd with him, even if he was entering free territory. And that he did. He went into Illinois and Wisconsin territory. By the terms of the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, slavery was illegal in areas between the Mississippi and Ohio River and the Great Lakes, except as punishment for crimes. Illinois' state constitution also largely prohibited slavery, and the 1820 Missouri Compromise outlawed slavery north of 36 degrees and 30 minutes north latitude, except within the boundaries of the state of Missouri. The judicial standard in Missouri was once free, always free, which meant that enslaved people taken to free areas remained free, even if they returned to Missouri. It was during his time with Emerson at Fort Snelling in Wisconsin Territory, or modern-day Minnesota, when he met Harriet Robinson. Dredd and Harriet married around 1836 or 37, and they eventually had two daughters, Eliza and Lizzie. When Emerson and his wife, Irene, moved a few different places, Dredd and Harriet were hired out to other people. And after Emerson's death, Dredd and Harriet were hired out to Samuel Russell, the owner of a wholesale grocery. There was a precedent for enslaved people suing for their freedom in Missouri, based on the aforementioned statute. But it wasn't until 1846 when Dredd and Harriet Scott decided to follow the path 
other enslaved people had and filed suits against Irene Emerson in the St. Louis Circuit Court. Dredd might have waited until this time to file a petition because he was unhappy with his family being hired out, because Irene was planning on selling his family, or because he had offered to buy his family's freedom and was turned down. But what's well documented is that Dredd and Harriet filed a petition to sue for their freedom based on their residence in free territory on April 6th with the support of their minister, John Anderson, and the Blow family, which had become involved in abolition, even though they still owned slaves. John M. Crum accepted their petition, and Irene pleaded not guilty to charges of unlawful imprisonment and assault and battery. On June 30th, 1847, more than a year after the Scots filed their petitions, Irene Emerson won the case, which was dismissed on the technicality of Dredd being unable to prove Irene owned him. The judge, Alexander Hamilton, granted Dredd a new trial. And in the second trial, on January 12, 1850, the jury ruled that the Scots and their daughters were free. Of course, that didn't sit well with Irene Emerson, who in 1848 had put the Scots in the sheriff's custody. She appealed the case to the Missouri State Supreme Court, which reversed the lower court's decision in 1852. Dredd then sued Irene's brother, John F. A. Sanford, and lost the suit once again. The issue of slavery was already a controversial one at the time, but Dred Scott's subsequent appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court pretty much set off a time bomb. In the Supreme Court case, Dred Scott versus Stanford, which began on February 11, 1856, the court ruled that free African-Americans are not citizens and therefore cannot sue in federal court. It also found that enslaved people had no rights, and as Scott was a slave, had no right to suits in federal court. In addition to these major decisions, the court said that the Missouri Compromise was unconstitutional and Congress could not stop slavery from spreading into Western territories. The Scots were eventually sold to the Blow family and freed. But many of the debates leading up to the Civil War regarding the maintenance and spread of slavery centered around the Dred Scott decision. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you'd like to learn more about Dredd, Harriet, and their family and the Supreme Court cases, listen to the two-part episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class called Dred Scott vs. Sanford. If you have any burning questions or comments to tell us, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back tomorrow for more delicious morsels of history. Hey y'all, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that believes no day in history is a slow day. The day was April 6, 1917. Artist and writer Leonora Carrington was born in England. Carrington's work incorporated images of domesticity, the occult, fantastical creatures, and autobiographical references. Carrington was born into an upper-class Irish Catholic family. Her parents were Maury Moorhead Carrington and Harold Carrington. 
Leonora grew up on their estate in Lancashire, England, where she was surrounded by animals. She also grew up listening to fairy tales and Celtic folklore. But she didn't completely subscribe to the lifestyle that came with being part of the upper class. She was rebellious, and she was expelled from convent schools for her behavior. Her parents wanted her to be a debutante, but she was drawn to art. They sent her to study art for a short time in Florence, Italy, where she was inspired by the sculpture, architecture, and paintings. Though her parents still weren't fans of her artistic inclinations, she was allowed to continue studying art when she returned to England. She went to the Chelsea School of Arts in London, and in 1936, she enrolled at an academy founded by the French cubist painter Amadie aux Enfants. While at the Academy, Leonora found inspiration in a travel memoir written by Alexandra David Nell, as well as the book Surrealism by Herbert Reed. Leonora attended the International Exhibition of Surrealism in London, where she found herself drawn to surrealist aesthetics. In 1937, she met Max Ernst, a German artist who was an important figure in the Dada art movement and surrealism. The two of them fell in love. And after Ernst and his wife divorced, he and Leonora settled in southern France. Leonora became immersed in her own surrealist art and began exhibiting internationally. During this period, she created paintings such as The Meal of Lord Candlestick and Portrait of Max Ernst. And she published her first short story, The House of Fear, with artwork and an introduction by Ernst. In her early works, she satirized the upper class and rejected parts of her own upbringing. But the onset of World War II disrupted her and Ernst's relationship. He was arrested several times and eventually fled to the United States. Leonora left France and went to Spain. There, Carrington had a nervous breakdown and was put into a mental institution. She was subjected to shock treatment, and she later wrote about her challenges with her mental health in the book Down Below. Once she was released from the institution, she went to the U.S. and married Mexican diplomat Renato Ledoux. Their marriage was short-lived, and by 1942, she had moved to Mexico. There, she married Hungarian photographer Chicky Weiss, with whom she had two children. Her time in Mexico marked a new phase in her artwork. She explored spiritualism, Tibetan Buddhism, the Kabbalah, and Celtic myths. She became close with other surrealists in Mexico, including Remedios Vado and Benjamin Pere. And her artwork continued to reflect her interests in mysticism, symbolism, and otherworldly creatures. She stayed in Mexico City for the rest of her life, though she continued to exhibit internationally and visited the U.S. Carrington died in 2011 due to complications from pneumonia. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can keep up with us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. You can also send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you again tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.